Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. All right. Are you guys doing good this morning? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I did this thing this morning as I was preparing and putting everything onto my uh, my iPad. I... um was reminded how important it is to have amazing women in your life as a woman. I'm not, I can't speak for you guys. You need strong guys too. But to have amazing women in your life that will write you post-it notes that you can carry around that say things of encouragement or words that are uh, defining who you are or who they see you as. And and just as a reminder. And so our women's group that, met, that meets on um, Thursdays for our uh, ladies' Bible study, we did that for each other, and so I purposely put, like, all five of the things in my my um, <clears throat> iPad. I placed them in my house. I placed them in my Bible. I placed them in notebooks just because sometimes we just need to be encouraged, right? So I hope that today you guys leave encouraged. But last week, Pastor Chris kicked off our Baptized series, and it was an amazing message, right, y'all? Was it? Come on, go ahead and clap. This will be his. Yep, go ahead. Go ahead do it. Yep, he'll see this online. If you were not here last week, you missed out on the competition of claps. (sighs) Yes, so he got another one. It was an amazing message. He talked about how we are baptized into Christ. And it's so important for us to realize that. He talked, um, he gave us the uh, definition of the word baptized. um, And it actually carries three meanings with it that um, he broke down. One, in the word in Greek for baptized, by the way, just in case you ever need to know, is baptizo. Just so if you ever need to know and tell anybody. But anyways, the three meanings that, it, that uh, baptized is, is to dip repeatedly, repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, or as if a vessel was to be sunk. Second one was to cleanse by dip, dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, or to bathe. We all do that. The third one was to overwhelm. And if you remember last week, he had the table up here with the glass the glass vase, and then he had the glass cup that was empty, but the water vase was full. And he showed us the example of being baptized into Christ is where that cup goes in the water and it is completely submerged into Christ. That's us. We are the body of Christ. We are completely submerged into Christ. Okay, so he he shared with the with us about that. And he also shared something that I mean, it definitely brought questions. And we had a great study on Wednesday night. We'll have probably more studies on Wednesday night. But it talked about how we are all baptized into Christ, which leveled the playing field. Right. Like per se, like it's leveled. Like we want to play this game of, oh, it's me and you're out and you're in and all that. No, it leveled the playing field because it says all. And we want to kind of argue that sometimes. But when we go to Galatians, (laughs) there's no arguing it. We go to Galatians 3, verse 26 through 29, and we will clearly see this. It says, it is through faith, which is Christ's faith. Remember how he highlighted that? It's Christ's faith. That all of you are God's children in union with Christ Jesus. You were baptized into union with Christ. You were baptized, right? This is past tense. You were baptized into union with Christ, and now you are clothed, so to speak, with life, with the life of Christ himself. 
to there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, between slave and free people, between men and women. You are all one in union with Christ. Is there one more? Yes. If you belong to Christ, then you are the descendants of Abraham and will receive what God has promised. Guys, like it's plain as day when you read these scriptures, we're all in the body. We've all been baptized into Christ, all of us. And I think it's amazing. It's, you should really get excited. Like when you hear that, you should really get excited because it's not about what you can do, what you have done, what you might do. Like we've all, it was past. We were. Okay, so we just get to own that. We get to own that. To be baptized into Christ is to be baptized into new life. We are not far from God. We aren't. We may feel far from God at times, but we're not far from God. You're not an enemy to God. You're not an enemy when you don't pray the right prayer. You're not an enemy when you haven't confessed every sin that you can ever think of that you've done. You're not. God knows, like, he knows what kind of brain we're working with. (laughs) Come on now. We are all his children, all of us. Whether you like it or not, we're all in the family. Ever, ever seen that show, All in the Family? We're all in the family, guys. All of us. So we're just going to have to get used to all the dysfunction that comes with that. <laughs> A lot, right? I love it. <laughs> but I love it because whose family doesn't have dysfunction? Come on, y'all. Does anybody's family just operate perfect? Okay, because if you raise your hand, I'm going to say, let me come see. I will come to your house and see what that looks like. So today I get to unpack baptism in water what it's not, what it is, and why we still participate in baptism. Baptism in water is not an act that grants you salvation because that was what was given to us in Christ already. So I want you to hear that. Baptism is not like some right to salvation, okay? To practice in water baptism is where we get to publicly declare in front of everyone, all of our family, all of our friends, our church, our community. For people back in the day, it would have been for like the whole city. But for us, it's where we get to publicly declare that we are rightly related to God, joining the bride of Christ. That's what water baptism is. We are rightly related to God, and I am publicly declaring that so everybody around me understands that. We're going to unpack a little bit of that later. But when we look back into scriptures today, we're going to look at why John the Baptist baptized people. Did you know John the Baptist was called John the Baptist not because he was a Baptist but because he baptized people? That's all. Not because he was a Baptist. There's no, like, I don't know. Anyways, why was Jesus baptized? Because Some of us may be like, Jesus, why? Why did you get baptized? You weren't sinning. You had no reason to be baptized. So we're going to unpack that today. Um, Mark 1, 1 through 5. I'm going to slow down a little bit. Oh, you know what? It's really bad when you put ice in your water, and it's little pieces of ice. (laughs) And then it comes out when you're drinking it. No, I can't be chomping ice in the mic. Sorry, y'all, y'all get it real. (laughs) Mark 1, 1 through 5. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. It says, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way before you. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his, his path straight. 
John came baptizing in the wilderness in preparing a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So we see here that John was baptizing people in a, as a form of repentance of sins. Okay, they would come and they would hear about this awesome kingdom that was coming, that was about to happen. It was this new life. And they would recognize, man, I want to be a part of that. I'm willing to leave all of this version of me behind and I want to be baptized. I want to go and repent of my sins, get baptized because I want to be a part of that kingdom. So that's why John was baptizing people. That's why they participated in baptism to repent of their sins. But we also know that John knew about, some, about this coming kingdom because there was buzz happening all around for years prior. Because if you, don't, if you remember correctly, when Jesus was born, the Magi went and told King Herod, a king was born. A new king is born. So we all know when somebody gets word about something, don't play, we know how quick that word spreads, right? So people had been hearing for years, 30 years to be exact, had been hearing for years, there's a king coming. Something's getting ready to shift. We got to be ready for this. There is something getting ready to change and happen, okay? So they knew, and John knew, and John was the one who came preparing the way for what was about to happen. In Mark 1, 7 through 8, says, And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So as we continue reading here in Mark, we, we see Jesus come to John the Baptist. And, and Jesus is the one who's telling John the Baptist, you're going to baptize me. So go to verse 9 through 11 of Mark 1. It says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Isn't that really cool? I just got to pause there because there's so many references, and we're going to go back into this in a few, that take us back to the stories in the scriptures from way back when in the very beginning that are being referenced here. So the spirit descended upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved son whom I, whom I am well pleased. And in Matthew, I love Matthew's account. So we're going to jump there real quick because I want to show you. First off, we all know that when we're all in a situation and we're all seeing something happen, we all perceive it a little different. Or maybe we hear different parts of the story. So I want you to see what Matthew has to say here in verse or chapter 3, 13 through 15. says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him. John the Baptist tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Could you imagine that? Like Jesus just walking up to you and being like, hey, it's time for you to baptize me. We'd be like, no, like just like, like John the Baptist said, where I'm not worthy I'm not, well, you need to baptize me. And Jesus is like, no, no. In verse 15, it says, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. 
Then John's like, okay, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do because you're using some big words here. So anyways, that word where it says fulfill all righteousness, fulfill means to perform or execute something that has been prescribed by God. So fulfill is, he's doing, he's performing or executing something that's already been prescribed by God. And the word righteousness there, y'all, it means integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting. This is so good, y'all, because Jesus is executing what God wanted. You see, he is on the brink of revealing integrity to us, of revealing virtue to us, of revealing what it looks like to have a pure, the purity of life for all, all of us. Jesus also was the one who was coming to correct our thinking. Guys, we've gone through so many, so many stories, so many um, series where we are seeing Jesus does that and everyone like rebels against that, right? Everyone's like, no, there's no way. How do I love like that? No, God, like I really don't have to love that much, right? No, Jesus, they don't deserve to be healed. No, Jesus, why are you letting them off the hook? So he's correcting the thinking. He's correcting our feelings and he is correcting our actions. I love that he came to fulfill all righteousness, to reveal to us all the correct way we are to think, feel, and act, live in purity. All of these things. I think it's amazing. So Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus modeled what we are able to do in obedience, what we're able to do in obedience. You see, don't be mistaken thinking that the only way that you can enter into etern- this eternal relationship with the Lord is through being baptized. That's not at all what I'm saying. You don't. That's, there's so many people that literally the guy that hung on the cross next to Jesus, did he get baptized? No. It's not that it's an act that you have to do. It's something we get to partake in. It's an act that has been going on for generation after generation, thousands of years, that we get as believers to say, you know what? I want to partake, partake in that. I want to be a part of what that looks like. And in doing that, we are able to show publicly, like I said, to everybody that we are standing in agreement with what Jesus says. We're standing in agreement with the true identity that God has given us. Hopefully I make it through all of this, y'all. He brings us back to the very thing that God has used all throughout Scripture to reveal transition and redemption. And that is water. Not only water, but at times the Jordan River. Jesus was getting baptized in the Jordan River. The people that were uh, getting baptized in repentance of sin were getting baptized in the Jordan River. When we go back, I'm going to show you some of these things called design patterns that are all throughout Scripture. It's really cool. And they are, the design patterns are things that are repeated images that we see throughout Scripture, repeated ideas or events that are waved throughout our whole Bible. And all of these patterns take us right back and point us right back to Jesus. And so it's so cool. I was so excited this week as I was getting all of this stuff because I I was getting all these cool connections and I was like, how have I, I've seen it, but I've not seen it in the totality of what God was showing me. And so I told, I was telling Pastor Chris, I was like, hopefully it comes out the way that I'm feeling it in my head because it's quite exciting for me that this is something we get to be a part of. That's something we get to partake in. It's not a have to, it's a get to. All right. 
So you see the Jordan River is a powerful symbolic meaning of spiritual rebirth and salvation. It's a a transition in people's life. How many of us have had transitions in our life? All of us, right? In the last, what, two years since 20, we've all had transitions in our lives, right? And so this is a powerful, like, illustration of a transition in people's life, like it was for Jesus and the people who John baptized and the, the, the disciples that were baptized after or that followed Jesus, all of them were baptized. This was a transition of new life for them, that they had to give things up. They had to say no to things, and that was the symbolic thing for them. When we see the Jordan River appear in Scripture, it often refers to freedom that is coming or is coming after a long season of adversity. Not only adversity, but long seasons of waiting. Okay, like I said, all of us have been in seasons of adversity in our lives. All of us have been in seasons where we are waiting and maybe we're still waiting. That's what this is like representing for these people. You see, the patterns we see with water in scripture is where we see God continually using water to form a redemption or transition to a better and new life. Okay, a better and new life. In Genesis 1, we're going to take it all the way back because we've got to go back to understand all of this. Genesis 1, God forms the world and brings separation between the waters. In Genesis 1, 6, it says, Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. God is making space for life to flourish. That's what he's doing. He's separating the things that he knows will bring life to, our, to us, to humanity. And so he's separating it. We see in Genesis that God's pattern here was for a purpose. There was a reason he separated the waters, the waters in the sky and the waters of the heavens, the waters of the land, the day and tonight, the stars, the animals. There was purpose behind it. But as we get to chapter 6 through 8, we see that that pattern shifts. Because God becomes a God that is acting as a rescuing God. His acts shift from purpose to rescuer. Okay? We see where Noah and his family were being rescued on the ark from the flood waters. All right? Which, which also points to Jesus. Because who was the ark in that story? Jesus. Jesus was the ark in that story. Everything points to Jesus when you go back and you read scriptures, guys, is look and say, where do I see Jesus at in this? Where is he being pointed? He was the vessel that brought them to dry land. That's where Jesus was at. We continue into Exodus, and we see Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery from the Egyptians. And guess what? He goes through the waters of the Red Sea on dry land. God is rescuing them. He is saving them from the the captivity that they were in. So again, waters, but the waters they walk through are on dry land. Like we sang in that song, he's holding back the waters. Just like the, the imagery of that is so amazing because those waters are raging. Those waters have things in them that are gonna take you out. And what does Jesus do? He says, no, you're going through dry land in this moment. Jesus is our dry land. He is going to hold back those waters so that we can get through just like he did with the Israelites when they were escaping captivity. Joshua, 
who comes 40 years later, because like we've talked about not long ago, there was a lot of wandering that happened, a lot of wandering. So he comes 40 years later after all the wandering in the desert. And as the people of God are preparing to enter the land that was promised to them, you want to know where they camped out the night before they went through those waters? On the bank of the Jordan. On the bank of the Jordan River, they camped out. But you want to know what else? They were going to have to cross those waters. Again, like we've seen and we see continually, people are having to constantly, in the Bible, cross through waters. But when they cross through the waters this time, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which cannot get wet. Lord, how is this going to happen? You want to know what happens? The same thing. They go through that water on dry land. Carrying the Ark of the Covenant does not get wet, and they enter into the land that was promised to them. You see, God is always faithful in our unfaithfulness. Even when we mess it up, he's still faithful. He's still going to hold those waters back, even in the midst of you making bad choices. You want to know why? Because he wants you to see. He wants you to see the goodness he has for us. He wants you to see the true identity because when we see it, man, the freedom we live in is so amazing. And he wants to see you live in that freedom. So he's going to hold it back as long as he has to. The raging waters, he's going to be with you in the fire. So for me, recapping some of these stories is super encouraging. It is empowering. It is reassuring that it's not about what I do because, you know, all of us know if we had to count on how we act and on what we do, that water would come flooding over top of us and we would be washed away. But no, that's not how God works. That's not what he's showing us. You see, then we move forward and we get to the prophet Isaiah. You see, Isaiah uses metaphors all throughout his writings that connect us back. They all connect us back to Noah and the, and, and the rescue from exile. They always, he connects it back. Not only does Isaiah connect us back, but he tells us stuff that's coming in the future. He tells us about the coming king. He tells us about the one who's going to prepare the way for him. It's, it's so cool, y'all. It's so cool. I'm excited. You see, in, um, in Isaiah, he talks about God will use his arm. That's something that is kind of like a metaphor that he's using, but it always points back, and it points back to the Exodus story. He will use his mighty arm. He will use his arm. It takes us back to Exodus and the, the, the rescue through those waters. He goes and he talks about how, how there will be safe passage for the remnant, just like there was for Israel on the day that they came out of Egypt. There will be safe passage. Not only does that reveal what happened then, but man, for me, that points to Jesus. He's our safe passage. It points to Christ and reveals what's already happened. Then we come up to John the Baptist where we started, who is baptizing people in the Jordan River as a form of repentance. But then comes Jesus, and Jesus appears on the scene. And Jesus is the one who goes through the water for us. Every story that we've read, it's Jesus is there. Jesus in every story. He's dry land. He's the ark. He's with us in every one of these stories. He is showing us that his humility in this baptism by John the Baptist is what, sorry, and what this imagery reveals is that Jesus will do 
for all of humanity, what Jesus will do, sorry, what it's revealing when we see that Jesus is being humble with John the Baptist, because Jesus didn't have to be like, I mean, he did, but really in humanity, you don't have to. He, he humbled himself and went to John the Baptist to be baptized. And what that is showing is exactly what he does for all of humanity. He humbles himself to come down, and we see it as an illustration through his death, burial, and resurrection, which is symbolic in every baptism that you will ever see. It's a death, burial, and resurrection. It's letting go of you, who you think you are, who you feel that you have to be, who you've strived to be. All the fakeness and all that stuff is what you put down under that water and the new life comes up. It's symbolic for something. It gives imagery to something. It's not all of a sudden you're totally different. It's literally you being able to say, you know what? In doing this, I'm publicly willing to lay it all down. And not only that, at that point, we can publicly be willing to our friends to say, hey, I ask you to hold me accountable. Because I'm willing to say this is the way I want to live. And in living, that means sometimes we need other people to be there with us. That's why I have these notes. Because I want people to be with me. I want people to be able to say, hey, this is who you are. What you're doing right here doesn't line up with who we know you are. And so we get to be able to be held accountable by our brothers and sisters. And, you know, sometimes that can be hard. But it's so good. It's so good. You see, in the New Testament, or we can see that in the New Testament, the authors understood the meaning of baptism against the background that we just went through and many more. I can't even, I can't even put all of the things into one message. But we can see that the authors understood the meaning of baptism against the background of these major redemptive historical events. And uh, Paul, in um, 1 Corinthians, Paul links baptism with the Exodus story in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2. says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud and moved at, that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them. The cloud was Jesus. The dry land was Jesus. He's guiding us, and he's protecting us, and he's keeping us safe no matter what. Then we see that Peter refers to Noah and his family being, being brought safely through the waters. In 1 Peter 3, 20 through 21, it says, Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in this terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see that, that word there that talks about now which saves you? Being baptized isn't what saves you. Christ is what saved us, right? We started the series with that, baptized in Christ. All of us are baptized in Christ. But when we, are, we uh, go through baptism, the word saved there is a present possession. It's us taking a hold of what's already been given to us. It's saying, you know what? Yes, I want to partake in this eternal life. I want to live out this sozo life that you have for me. 
okay? We are awakened to our salvation in Christ, which leads us to a place of having, uh, having a conscience reconciled to God. That was like an aha moment for me because when I thought about, whenever I've read that scripture before, I've always thought, oh, you have to get baptized to be saved. It's part of like the ritual. You got to do it. No, then I went and looked that up. And it's literally, it's a conscience reconciled to God. It's when I've awakened to what Christ has done for me. It's when I've awakened to, you know what? I want everyone to know this is how I'm living. I want everyone to be able to celebrate with me this new life that I have. And that's where we get to live free of guilt. That's where we get to live free of guilt and be partakers via water baptism. So in Mark 1.10, we're going to look back at that real quick. It says, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is amazing to me. I know I keep saying that about like all of this stuff, but it's just, it's like mind boggling to me because all before we saw Jesus through the waters, we see the waters being split and held back. In this moment, God is showing us that, you know what's getting ready to happen? The skies are being opened. The heaven is being split open. This is Jesus. This is who I call I am. That's who this is. And this is what God's wanting to show us. It's, it's beyond just the waters being parted. I want you to see this is who is, who's not only here, that John's been preparing the way. This is the son. This is who is to, you're to look at as the example. This is who you're to look at to say, how is God act? Jesus. How does God respond? Jesus. How are we supposed to live? Jesus. God made a way. I don't even know how. The heavens opened. It's a, that is amazing to me. All right, so now I'm going to go through a few more scriptures kind of quickly to conclude here. It says in Romans 6, 7, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We were set free. We don't have to live in the power of sin. We don't have to allow it to control us because Jesus took care of it. He took care of it for us. Romans 6, 18 says, now you are free from slavery to sin, and you have become slaves of righteous living, to righteous living. We talked about righteousness earlier. We've become able to live in this right standing with God, not because of what we do, but because of Christ. Romans 6, 20 through 23 says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. And that's literally like here on this earth. That's not like, oh, you're going to go to some all, in some place when you die and you're going to be doomed for life. No, like here on earth, we do a good job at dooming our own life, right? Right? Like, come on, we live in that right here. But now, verse 22, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, us partaking in baptism is a celebration of new life. 
That's what that is. Not that all of a sudden everything changes, but it's, hey, I'm living this way, and because I'm going to live this way, I want everybody to know it. I want everyone to know it. And we are all um, able to embrace that. I don't know if you've been baptized before. Maybe so I've had the question before, well, I was baptized as a kid. Do I need to be baptized again? I would say if you were baptized as a child and you had no clue what water baptism was, and all of a sudden now you are as an adult understand that, oh, you know what? This is me publicly saying this is how I want to live. This is me saying I want the accountability from the people around me to be a part of my life and say, hey, it doesn't match who you say, who God says you are. That's what it is. And so if you were baptized as a child and, and you don't remember and you don't feel like you actually knew what it all meant, then it's okay to get baptized again. If you've never been baptized and you want to partake in that, let us celebrate with you. I am so excited because I feel like this is a shift for so many people that sometimes we don't even realize it. Like I said, it's not, oh, all of a sudden you're saved. But this is something that we've seen generation after generation partaking in. And we get to be partakers as well. I told, I told my husband earlier this week, I was like, can I get baptized again? Like, I totally remember it, but I'm so excited right now because there has been, there has been challenges that have, we've been going up against. Not only individually or whatever, but as a church, there's challenges. There's things that, that are happening where it feels like we're in a waiting season. And you know what? For me, I'm like, I want to just get baptized. I mean, I'm not. But it was like in my head, I'm like, I could literally say, you know what? It's all right, though. So if you've been there and you want to get baptized, let us know. We have a, a link in the, on the website at thejourneychurch.cc. You can get baptized. Pull one of us aside after service. We'd love to get the information. If you want to get baptized, it's going to be next Sunday right after service. We're going to be heading down to the main sanctuary, and we are going to be having some, celebra some celebration time, y'all.